2: This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Thank you for being with me today here on Afternoons with Mike. As we have all learned over the weekend, a very sad story developing in Israel. We were awakened on Saturday morning to find out that really war had broken out along the Gaza Strip, with forces doing not just war activity, but terrorist-type war activity against Israel. The initial report had 40 killed from uh, the Israelis. That, sadly, has grown to now over 800 deaths, as uh, up to some reports saying up to 5,000 rockets were fired, by Hamas, the Palestinian terrorist organization that has been at war with Israel for um, just years. Uh, But uh, over the, the, the span of the last 24 hours, other reports have also additional attacks coming from Lebanon. The most important thing we can do right now is pray for Israel, pray for our allies, pray for the Americans' families lost in this attack. There were some Americans lost. We're going to be hearing in a moment from Matt Staver from the Liberty Council. We're also going to be hearing from Susan Michael with the International Christian Embassy, Jerusalem. She's been on the program before, and she'll be weighing in as well. And we'll hear twice from Al Mohler, both now and then in our last segment today as well. So right now, I'm going to introduce Al Mohler from his podcast, this was recorded and aired on his podcast today. This is the briefing, Reverend Al Mohler giving a good surmisal as to what happened over the
0: weekend. The world can change in just a matter of days. It can change in just a matter of seconds. And now we know that Israel is at war after Hamas launched a massive comprehensive attack upon Israel, including thousands of rockets and furthermore land forces, also some coming by air, and what has been described as a parasail attack. But we are talking about a very deadly attack. As a matter of fact, we're talking about the most deadly attack on the nation of Israel since 50 years ago, the Yom Kippur War. We're talking about what had begun as a big story that is now turning into what could be an existential threat. And that's exactly what Hamas and its allies want. They want to see the end of the state of Israel, the brutality of this attack is almost beyond our imagination. We now know that Hamas is holding hundreds, at least by their estimation, over a hundred. Some are saying hundreds of hostages, including women and children. We know, for example, that land forces from the Gaza Strip attacked land inside of Israel, including a music festival where over 200 bodies have already been found and others are listed as missing. We are looking at a massive attack upon the nation of Israel that is intended to bring the nation to its knees and is intended to bring the nation to its end. Because this isn't just about Hamas launching attacks from the Gaza Strip, in an area that is at least historically under Palestinian control. It's not just an ongoing crisis from the south, it threatens to become a crisis from the north also with Hamas calling upon the Islamic forces of a terrorist nature from the north that would be Hezbollah in Syria also to join in the effort and to attack
2: Israel from the north. That was Dr. Al Moler from the podcast that he has every day called The Briefing, and you can get that at AlbertMoler.com. Always a great source of not only knowledge but wisdom and how much we need what he has to say today on that and His uh, overview will continue in our third segment on the program today after we hear from a couple of other guests here in the program. I want to introduce right now our good friend Matt Staver from the Liberty Council. He's been on my program a number of times, so appreciate you, Matt. And, you know, this weekend, hearing what's going on in Israel, I know the Liberty Council, and you especially uh, you and Anita have, have a real heart for Israel. You are regularly over there, and this really has to weigh heavily on your heart as well, right?
1: Well, it certainly does weigh heavily on my heart. I have been in regular contact since uh, early Saturday when the news broke about the Hamas terrorists breaching the border wall uh, along the Gaza Strip and going into southern israel and wreaking carnage so we have been in regular conduct since saturday morning and continually do that on a daily basis to update with what's going on but also um, i've seen a lot of uh, videos and a lot of information from various sources that we have in israel uh, and it is just absolutely heartbreaking it is at the level of isis if you Remember the ISIS terrorism and the Taliban terrorism? What is happening by these Hamas terrorists against Jewish people and others that were down in that area, but this was targeted against the Jews in Israel, is at that level. Uh, This is absolute carnage. Uh, These people are animals to do what they have been doing.
2: It's so sad because, again, even in introducing this program, I I refer to the fact that it's not just war activity; it's terrorist activity mixed in with what would be commonly thought of as just normal. I mean, war is horrible; it's terrible. But when you add to it the kind of things that they're doing, it's it's really heartbreaking because they're doing it for a show. They're releasing videos of just carnage and. Uh, unspeakable atrocities being done against individuals, and they're doing this just to bring sheer terror.
1: Well, this isn't war. This is terrorism. This is terrorism by Hamas and Iran that trained and organized this. It's absolute terrorism. In any war, you have this idea of just war rules, and you, you don't take women and children. Right. You don't kill your captives. You don't torture them, but they're taking women and children. They have a captive of a six-month-old baby. They've got two-year-old babies. They've got moms with a baby that's two and a half and also has a baby that's four and a half. They are uh, killing innocent people as they were driving in their cars or as they were in their homes. If they couldn't break into the home, they burned the home as the people would flee their homes uh, they shot them. They intentionally targeted an outdoor concert where a lot of young people had gathered right. on the Israel side, and they were gathering to promote peace, and they used them as target practice. And they then captured some of them, and they have about, from what we know now, about 130 people that are in captivity uh, in Gaza, and they have beheaded some people. They filmed some of that. So, this is at the level of ISIS and the Taliban. This is absolute terrorism, and it is being funded and sponsored and organized and orchestrated by Iran.
2: Yeah. And a lot of people have drawn no uh, small comparison, no small coincidences to the recent, under a month ago, the U.S. under President Biden. Release $6 billion to Iran, and just less than 30 days later, they are funding and supporting and encouraging such activity as what we've seen happen this past weekend.
1: Yeah, it emboldens them and not only finances them with $6 billion, but it emboldens them that they can do what they want to without any repercussions. Uh, you know, on Saturday, the Iranian parliament was meeting and they're celebrating. This is the Iranian equivalent to Congress. Mm-hmm. And they're celebrating these gruesome attacks against individuals. I mean, the sites of these things are horrible, where there was some foreign workers that were sheltered in a bomb shelter. These terrorists breached the door and they just slaughtered everybody inside that bomb yeah. shelter. This is terrorism and it needs to be... Uh, collectively with Israel, the United States, the whole world needs to soundly condemn it. And they need to cut off the serpent's head to stop this from happening and go to the source of it, which is Iran.
2: Well, you know, the the news has reported the fact that uh, this is the first time in 50 years that we've seen this kind of activity where uh, the Jewish state, now Israel, has uh, actually officially declared war so this goes back now to the 70s, since anything has been at this level. But I know they've, there have been skirmishes. Israel has had the Iron Dome in place, the counterattack. Uh, from what you know, what kept some of those countermeasures from uh, helping in this one? Because I've heard at least 3,000 rockets were deployed by Hamas into Israel. What, what are you? What do you know about that? Well. Now?
1: this attack was coordinated on October 7th, 50 years to the day from the Yom Kippur war on October 7. Um, But on any of the previous wars, you didn't have terrorism. You had war. You Mm -hmm. didn't have terrorism like you have here. And the the numbers now are up to 5,000 rockets, maybe more that were shot from Gaza into uh, various parts of Israel. Um, The The unanswered question, frankly, is uh, how did these terrorists breach the border fence without being detected and then go unimpeded into the southern part of Israel before they were engaged by the Israeli defense forces? Mm -hmm. Uh, That is unknown. And in talking to people within Israel, that is a real serious question that needs to be answered, because Israel is always very much on top of things, always very much in control. And they have a lot of technology to determine and alert them to whenever some breach might happen on their electronic fence or their, it's not a wall fence that you can't see through. It's like a chain link fence, so to speak, but it's Mm -hmm. monitored heavily. And if there's any breach, it's uh, known quite quickly and they can scramble, you know, forces there very quickly but that didn't happen so the question is was this somehow a radar jamming system that was developed by iran or some even suggest russia certainly iran is involved in this Uh, one of the terrorists have already indicated that they were trained and this was planned for some time by iran so there's a lot of unanswered questions that have to be addressed in terms of how this happened somewhat similar to what happened in 1973 the israelis were caught off guard and here again 50 years later um, seems as though caught off guard uh, to allow this kind of incursion for so long without them being challenged. That's another issue for another day, but it certainly has to be resolved and it has to be addressed. Uh, how did this happen and how can it be prevented from happening again? You know, but you- the systemic problem is the, is the uh, terrorism in Gaza, the systemic problem is the fallacy that you can have a two-state solution. You can't. I mean, this goes back to the Clinton-Oslo uh, Accords of 1993, where you give land for peace. I mean, it worked with regards to uh, Jordan and it worked uh, with regards to Egypt, but it doesn't work with respect to uh, what's happening within Israel, Hamas, or the Palestinian Authority. Uh, there is no land for peace there. They want to eliminate the Jews and they won't be content with land until there are no Jews on the land. Right. And so there has to be a, a longer, broader um, issue that's addressed here to stop this continual uh, rising up of terrorism.
2: It's so sad to look at what's going on. And I know that you and Anita, you've led many groups there to Israel I've only been there one time, you many times. Have you traveled much around those areas like Ashkelon, uh that would be bordering this area where it's been under such tenuous relationship with this uh, the, the Palestinian impact around the Gaza Strip? Have you spent a lot of time around there?
1: Well, I have uh, been to Israel about 30 times, and we've taken groups. And I actually have a group that's planned to go to Israel uh, at the end of the month. Oh, wow. Uh, And we'll see what happens, uh, whether we'll be able to do that. But I do not take groups uh, to those areas. I have visited uh, the area of Stereot, which, you know, (laughs) in that particular town, you can see in the distance uh, Gaza. Um, And that is one of the border towns to the Gaza Strip. Uh, I have been there, but I don't take groups there because I don't want to take, you know, if you're taking a tour group to certain places in Chicago or New York City, yeah, right. You know, not to go to certain places at certain times of the day or night. Uh, and it's the same way in Israel. Uh, we've never felt threatened. We've never felt unsafe anywhere we go. Um, but those places over there um, by Gaza, because of what's in Gaza, uh, those um, I can't guarantee total safety because you just never know what's going to happen uh, right. in that area. So we don't take groups there. So we don't get anywhere near that region. Um, we go from one end of the country to the other, but we don't go there. However, I will tell you this. Uh, there is a place, and no kid should be raised like this, in Starote, um, and there is a playground with swings and just like a normal playground. But there's a big worm in the playground. It's a concrete reinforced worm, about four feet tall, happy, smiling face. and It's a worm. It has a couple of different inferences. You know what that is? That's a bomb shelter for these little kids. So if they're sliding down the slide or there's a siren that happens because of something happening in Gaza, those little kids run from their swings, their slides, their sandboxes into the worm to be a bomb shelter. That's the kind of life that they live. And nobody in the United States would tolerate that. And it's time to put an end to that kind of having um, to live every day, not knowing what the people in Gaza are these terrorists are going to do. I think, uh, frankly, I think Israel needs to go in and just completely reassert total control over Gaza.
2: Well, that has actually been brought out in the news today, that a statement, I guess, by Netanyahu saying that they were going to take control, they're going to obliterate that whole border area. Uh, There was some sort of statement about that. Do you feel like that is a a likely uh, venture on Israel's part?
1: I think so. I think that is what I've been advocating for years. You know, for example, you've had these situations before where they lob uh, rockets into Starod and some of these other places down there where they attacked these kibbutzim where people were living or having the outdoor concert. They've done that, mm-hmm. and they've tried to kill innocent people. They haven't been very successful in doing that because the rockets have missed, but they've lobbed you know, hundreds and even thousands of rockets into southern Israel. And Israel then retaliates, and they fight back a little bit, and then the international community in the United States says, oh, you need to de-escalate, and everybody needs to have a truce and a ceasefire. So then they do a ceasefire, and then it happens again, and it goes through the same cycle. Look, you can't keep doing that. And if they had asserted control of this um, mistake that was uh, imposed by the United States in 1993 with the Oslo Accord, and that then— a leader of Israel. It was a stupid mistake to think that you could give terrorists land for peace. Uh, they need to go back in and take over total control of Gaza, and they need to stop placating these terrorists or even worrying about what the international community is going to think because they've got to have safety and peace for not only the Israeli citizens, but look, there's some people in Gaza that live there, right? Mm-hmm. And they likely many of them don't support what these Hamas leaders are doing, but that's where they live. Uh, they don't want to have their lives constantly disrupted. And uh, the fact is, though, um, you know we have we have funded this by uh, the United States dollars, allowing money to go to these suicide bombers' families to support them, and the Palestinian Authority, give them like a different kind of reward monetarily if their child commits suicide and blows up someone. Um, And, you know, we've been allowing our U.S. funds to go to that. Donald Trump stopped it. Biden restarted it again. We've got to have a strong resolve to say, look, we are done with terrorism. Mm Wow.
2: Wow. Boy, these are big things to uh, really think through for those that are in Israel. And I know that they are right now working. There's about at least uh, they are saying near 100 potential hostages still being held uh, by these Hamas terrorists. What impact do you think we have in America right now, Matt, with regards to the fact that we don't have a Speaker of the House right now? Do you feel like we are neutered in activity or action in the House of Representatives?
1: No, not at all. In fact, the uh, temporary speaker has the full authority of the speaker, and then we'll have another speaker uh, this week very quickly. I think that doesn't have a factor at all involved. Um, I am pleased that Joe Biden has uh, made a statement in support of Israel. Uh, We already have military aircraft that have landed in Israel, the USS Gerald Ford, uh, military aircraft carrier that has already arrived off the Mediterranean coast of Israel. So we are showing a strong force that has Tomahawk missiles uh, where necessary can uh, target different kinds of terrorist pockets. So uh, we're already showing a strong support. We need to continue that strong support. And frankly, Israel just needs to go plant its flag uh, right there in Gaza mm. and stop the nonsense and take over total control.
2: Thank you, Matt, for being with us. Matt Staver from the Liberty Council. We're going to be back in a moment. Up against a break right now, this is Afternoons with Mike. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years' experience, EC Waters is a top-trained comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. Palm Beach Atlantic University, Orlando offers three distinct areas of study. An evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses were offered at our beautiful campus on Millenia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. On the line with me right now to continue our coverage of what's going on in Israel is Dr. Susan Michael For more than 35 years, Susan has pioneered the development of the International Christian Embassy Jerusalem, the ICEJ, and uh, she's been on my program. We had a chance to do a sit-down at uh, the recent NRB that was in May. Boy, it's hard to believe that many months ago already, but here we are. Dr. Michael, thank you for being with me today.
3: Yeah, Mike, it's great to be with you again and your audience.
2: Well, this obviously has caught us all a bit by surprise here in America. I guess if you're in Israel, uh, you're always on the lookout, but it would appear that this even caught them a bit unaware to the extent that it has now gone And for the first time, as we heard um, in my uh, talk with Matt Staver just moments ago, this comes on the anniversary of the Yom Kippur attack 50 years ago. Uh, This is a major thing that's gone on now for the first time in 50 years. War to this degree has been declared already by the cabinet in Israel. How are you and your your, uh, people there in Israel being affected right now? Let's hear from you on this.
3: Well, you know, we are located there in Jerusalem, so we have boots on the ground. We um, have been working with those communities in southern Israel for years. We have placed over 200 bomb shelters in Israel. Most of them have been there in those communities. So we know all of the security personnel, the community leaders, We've gone and and shared meals and celebrations with the children and the families there. So this really hits very much at home for us. And um, it's just heart-wrenching and devastating. But because of our long-standing relationship, we are getting lots of requests for help. And uh, we're able to kind of act quickly, help where needed most in a very, very fluid Uh, situation. So just one example, they've uh, evacuated that whole area. So even the people that have survived and were left there in their homes have had to evacuate. So uh, we're helping to try to secure some housing for people, some food, care for these evacuees. That's just one example. And because we're there on the ground, we're just able to respond right away.
2: Now, uh, if you will take us back to Saturday morning, what was it like for you to get the call? How did you find out about what had gone on on that, uh, since there's a seven-hour difference between us in Florida and there?
3: Yes, well, it was already far advanced by the time I actually got up and turned on my phone and had all of the uh, notices. But, I mean, our staff there in Israel, they— they heard the sirens as it was in real time. They heard the explosions, they heard the um, Iron Dome missile, anti-defense missile launchers uh, going off. They knew immediately, um, as you said, seven hours earlier than I actually did uh, here in the United States. And um, so they were able to react immediately. Now, um, we have during COVID, we started a global prayer call on Zoom that we did every day for a long time, and then we went to once a week. And so we have reinitiated that. And each morning at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, we have hundreds. In fact, yesterday it was one and a half thousand Christians all around the world. Um, joining in a prayer call on Zoom. And this morning, during today's Zoom call, um, a missile landed just, just a few meters away from our president's home. Oh,
2: my goodness.
3: And um, thankfully, they were okay. They were, But it was just just a few doors down from them. It hit a house in their neighborhood. Wow. So all that was heard on real time on the prayer call. So it's a very, very tense and very live situation there. And uh, we, we pray for all of Israel, but we also are really praying for our staff and um, th- the ones that we have on the ground there for their safety.
2: Now, speaking of the staff there, when I was with you in May uh, at the NRB, you introduced me to Jürgen Bueller, I believe is how his name is pronounced, right?
3: Yes, he's our president, and yeah. he's the one I'm referring to. It okay. just hit doors down from his home.
2: So that, that's just amazing that uh, a few short months, no, none of us could have foreseen what was going to go on, but this has got to be heartbreaking for him because, like you said, you're talking about boots on the ground. We're talking about uh, a missile landing just uh, a feet away from his very home. That's got to be scary for his family. And then the the reports are that there are a lot of hostages taken, and that are still uh, under uh, under siege. They're still being captured. They're still there under captivity. And uh, I'm just wondering, are any of these people known by your people there?
3: Um, you know. Uh, Yes, I'm sure that there are, because, like I said, our staff worked in those communities. But I don't even know that we have a list of who's been taken hostage yet. And uh, so, it, it, but I, I'm certain that some of them, uh, our organization does know. And I will, I'll give you one story, uh, Mike. Last week was the annual Feast of Tabernacles celebration that we put on every year. We had about 3000 Christians in the land from all around the world, over 80 nations, at at various events. And on the last day, uh, one of those events was that we did a solidarity rally down in southern Israel, right outside of the Gaza border, with these communities that we've worked with. And uh, the mayor of the region there, his name is Ophir Lipstein, he uh, greeted us and welcomed us we know him well we've worked with him for years he thanked him for coming he said we will hold the land of israel and the land in this region and 48 hours later he was killed defending his family and and the region so um you know that that hits very very close oh yes but but the issue yeah the issue here is not our own grief or mourning it's all of israel and it's just to put this in perspective you know we listen to the numbers and they don't sound so great i mean it's horrible but when we hear that there's been like over 800 killed well if you were to relate that to american numbers that would be over twenty six thousand killed in Mm -hmm. 72 hours yeah or the wounded uh, it would be equivalent to 117 thousand Americans wounded in 72 hours so you begin to get the feeling of the gravity of this right and um, and that this is the most Jewish people killed in one day since the Holocaust right so this is horrendous and the whole country is just there it's not just mourning they're tra- they've been traumatized. They don't even know how to process this. And, um, and they really need our prayers and our support and our help. They need an encouraging word to say we're here to help. And that's all they need to hear, but just to comfort them and encourage them. And that's what our organization will be doing and is already doing.
2: Now, one of the things that would be so radically different about Israel than certainly the U.S., but also most other countries, is the degree to which the citizens of Israel are also part, and there's, I know, a national requirement for this to some degree, they're part of the military. They've been trained, and they're actually uh, being called up. A lot of uh, citizens are being called up right now uh, to be a part of the active fighting forces. What can you tell us from what you know about that uh, unique characteristic about Israel?
3: Well, yes, this is, uh, you know, the worst attack uh, in 50 years. So uh, they're all being called up. The reserves are being called up. Uh, Israelis that are outside of the country are getting called up and they can't get a flight in Mm. uh, to go in and serve their country. And, um, and, and I will say that after a season of great political divisions in Israel, uh, this will unite the country. They will come together from the left and the right. It doesn't matter. This is about life and, and survival. And uh, so they will come and unite. And uh, no matter what their political opinions have been, uh, they'll get behind this effort. And some will go volunteer even without being called up that's that's how serious this is mm-hmm.
2: now with regards to travel into israel during this time are you aware of any official statements by the travel agencies the airlines as to when things will resume with the uh, flights going in
3: no there's no way to know that in the the situation changes by the minute um at one point it looked like the fighting had you know died down this was it early on and so some flights took off Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden there was a barrage of 150 missiles at tel aviv and the airport's right there at tel aviv so all the flights shut down again um so it, it just and i you know i i've heard of people just going and camping out at the airport just in hopes that they can get on any flight anywhere and get out of there so then they can get another flight on home. Um, but at one point, all commercial flights had shut down. The only people that were flying was because Al, because their pilots are military trained pilots. Mm-hmm. And then um, there's a charter airline that they, they were only flying military planes. They were not flying commercial planes, but trying to get people out. So it just changes by the minute.
2: Well, that is such an incredible scenario when you think about the world implications right now. I mean, there's no doubt about it. This small nation, yet so favored in history by God and the abilities that they've had to be such an, an, I guess you could say, an impetus, a force in the entire world scene right now under siege for the first time in such a major way for the last 50 years. Uh, these are really moments of history that we're observing, aren't they?
3: It absolutely is. And it, it's a combination of, of things that uh, made Israel very vulnerable. And, um, and then the strengthening of Hamas by Iran. They have capabilities now they just never had before. They had training, they had uh, a clear strategy, and they, they, it was just something that Israel had never seen before out of Hamas. And that's because it was uh, born in Iran. And um, so it's, uh, it's a really, really sad combination of factors here that made uh, this a very successful attack against Israel, and it made Israel vulnerable that uh, allowed it to happen. Mm And so uh, they really need our prayers and our our help.
2: I was encouraged by listening to Matt Staver just moments ago. You wouldn't have heard this obviously yet, but he was encouraged by some of the actions that our country has taken to already give some support. Uh, And I was encouraged to hear him say that. He believes that the scenario that's going on in D.C. right now with the lack of a Speaker of the House he feels that that's not going to be a big player uh, in America's reaction and our support to Israel during this time. So that I found that to be very encouraging. I'm sure that'll be a bit of encouragement for you as well to hear that.
3: Yes, yes. So far, the signs have been very encouraging. But we all know from history that uh, the uh, rubber hits the road, or what, however you want to say it, once Israel really begins bombarding Gaza. And once they go in and there's an incursion and it's ugly and it's bloody, that's when the even friends start backing away. Mm-hmm. And so that's why we want to pray that our country continues to support Israel, even during that, because they must eradicate this terrorist organization. And um, they just must. It cannot survive this. Um, and so that's... You know, I'm holding my breath, but yes, I'm very grateful for what, we, what I've heard so far.
2: Tell us, if you will, Dr. Michael, what is the next steps for your organization with the boots on the ground that you have in Israel?
3: Well, we are assessing uh, by the moment what the needs are, and we're raising funds here in America and around the world to uh, fund the humanitarian outreach that, and programs that we need to provide. Uh, Things like housing, food, uh, trauma counseling, um, helping even new communities to be built. They're going to have to start from the ground up in some of these places. Mm. And uh, so there's going to be a lot of requests for assistance and aid. And uh, we need to raise the funds to be able to provide those programs.
2: Give us the website for how people can, because I know there's a lot of people who are hearing it. Obviously a lot of believers have a heart for Israel and yet they feel like, what can I do? How could I be of a help? How can they help you to do what you're doing?
3: Yes. We, we are their hands and feet in Israel. We are an extension of their care. And so if they go to our website, which is www. I-C-E-J-U-S-A dot org, they will see up front an opening picture. It says Israel in crises and donate here. and Just click that button and uh, that will take them to a donate page where they can donate and they can um, be assured we are there on the ground and we will be uh, using every penny that they give to help and support and comfort the people.
2: So give us again a description as to what those funds, how they would be dispensed.
3: Well, as I said, it changes by the minute depending on what requests come in and what we assess the needs are. But so far, what I know is that we're being asked to help house evacuees because the whole area outside of Gaza has been evacuated now. It's a war zone. So all of these people need to be housed, fed, cared for. They need trauma counseling. Um, Many, many people throughout Israel are going to need trauma counseling after this. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that there's going to be many other little requests for humanitarian aid, but we're also being asked to take uh, advocacy stand for Israel out in the nations. And uh, to let churches and people know what's happening there in Israel, get their prayers, get their support, and our government uh, here in the United States. So, we're, we are looking at the best ways to do all of that. And we really appreciate the help of your audience.
2: And give us that web address one more time.
3: Yes, our website is icjusa.org. And right there on the homepage, it's going to say Israel in Crises and how you can click to give. But I'll give you the whole URL if they'd like it. It's icejusaorg forward slash donate Israel in Crises. And there's a hyphen in between each word. So donate hyphen Israel hyphen in hyphen crises.
2: You know, we've heard the phrase so often, pray for the peace of Israel. Boy, uh, how important it is now that we do it, more so now than maybe any time in our uh, recent years. But Dr. Susan Michael, thank you so much. And to all of your colleagues at ICEJ, uh, uh, we are praying for you and we are trusting God with this scenario and asking God for mercy.
3: Thank you. Thank you so
2: much, Mike. All right, and I'll be back in a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike. You're on The Shepherd. Pastors and financial leaders, do you need expert accounting or
0: tax help? Do you have payroll or 1099 questions? Do you need a ministry expert to help you acquire real estate for your next project? If the answer is yes, yes, and yes, visit PetraWorldwide.org. Petra Worldwide has been strengthening ministries to transform humanity since 2007. Visit
2: PetroWorldwide.org or call 855-481-9095. So glad you're with us here on The Shepherd on Afternoons with Mike. At the top of the program, you heard a clip from Albert Moeller. Reverend Al Moeller has a briefing that's called The Briefing. It's a podcast that is delivered every day to your inbox. I listen to it most every day. And I'm going to play a lengthy clip as we round out our program today. His viewpoint, his commentary on Israel, it's just so helpful. And I want you to hear this from Al Moler's The Briefing from this morning. Behind all of this is the nation of Iran. And even as the Wall Street
0: Journal reports this morning, there is simply no doubt that Iran is behind the attack, funding it and helping to orchestrate it, if not Directly involved in the attack itself. And that leads to a number of questions we need to address. But first of all, let's remember the historical context here. The historical context takes us back most immediately to the year 1948. That was the year of the establishment of the State of Israel. That was one of the most important dates of the 20th century, and it marked the day when the Jewish people after so many centuries of travail and after the intense evil of the Holocaust, were finally given a Jewish homeland. And it was inland, often referred to as Palestine, referred to by the Jewish people, of course, as Israel, and it was contested territory. And as you're looking at the history of that region, it has long been contested territory. But you had those who were there who made it their aim to bring Israel to a very early end. Time doesn't allow a full review of the history of Israel and all the multiple attacks and wars that Israel has experienced, but it is really important to understand that 50 years ago, the Yom Kippur War was another surprise or sneak attack. It also was very, very costly to Israel. Costly, most importantly, of course, in terms of lives, but also costly in terms of national confidence. And ever since that date, going back to 1973, Israel has known that it is under constant threat. And by one definition, Israel is the ultimate national security state. Its survival depends upon that. And that leads to a huge question. How in the world did Israel experience such a massive intelligence failure that would have allowed this very large, very complex sneak attack to have taken place from Gaza into Israel proper. A few issues of clarification are necessary. First of all, there are a few matters that need clarification. Hamas is a terrorist organization. It's not that old as an organization. It goes back to 1987, and it emerged out of the group known as the Islamic Brotherhood. That was a group that had also resorted to terrorism, at least at some points. It was based in Egypt, and it has a very clear Islamist identity. So does Hamas. And Hamas, in that sense, basically displaced a previous group known as Fatah. And that group was more secular. It was Islamic in some sense, but far less so than the Islamism that is represented by Hamas. That leads, of course, to the fact that there is also an Islamist terrorist threat directly on Israel's north, and that is the group Hezbollah, as we discussed. But behind all of this really is a larger and more sinister plot. And that plot is to bring Israel to an end. And that has been the determination of many nations in the region for a very long time. But at the same time, you also have to recognize that the map has been changing, and Israel has actually established relations with several of the Arab nations, most importantly with the nation of Egypt. Egypt was one of two nations that led an effort to, To bring another end to Israel, or at least to humiliate Israel militarily and gain territory back in October of 1973, the Yom Kippur War. Once again, you go back 50 years, Israel was caught during holy days and caught by surprise. And that's exactly what took place in the early morning hours Saturday. Now, there are several big issues that need to be considered here. First of all, Israel as a nation. How did it come about? Let's just remind ourselves. It came about not only because of the long centuries of striving on the part of the Jewish people, it came about because of action undertaken by the United Nations in 1948, action that legally established Israel as a Jewish state. It's also true that just very shortly after Israel declared its existence, pursuant to that United Nations resolution, The United States of America officially recognized Israel, and that became a major issue in Israel's history. It had the recognition of the most powerful nation on earth in 1948. President Harry Truman, prompted to understand what was taking place with the formation and founding of Israel, was very quick to recognize Israel as a nation among other nations. Thus, from the beginning, Israel and the United States have had a very special relationship. It has not always been an extremely close relationship, but especially in recent decades, it has been very, very close. And that very close includes joint intelligence gathering operations. Now, here's another secret of what goes on in the Middle East. You have a nation like Saudi Arabia, and of course, one of the motivations of Hamas in launching this attack and understanding that Israel will respond in great force. One issue there is the fact that Saudi Arabia has also been cooperating with Israel in mutual defense interests, particularly in gathering military intelligence. How could something this big be missed? You're talking about paragliders, parasail attack. You're talking about hundreds of troops on the ground. You're talking about the use of tunnels. You're talking about massive armaments, thousands of rockets. How could Israel, given its stature as a national security state and given its competence in terms of the gathering of intelligence, how could Israel have been taken by surprise? Furthermore, how in the world was Israel not, at least to some extent, expecting this kind of action or at least some kind of attack on the 50th anniversary of the Yom Kippur War? Massive, huge questions. There will be a lot of questions that have to be answered in Israel, but that's going to take some time, because Israel right now is in a fight for its life. Now, there are some who might hear that as an exaggeration and say, you know, this is not the kind of mortal threat that Israel has faced in the past. Well, here's the problem. It could become that very, very quickly. And already we know that there are major players seeking to bring about the non-existence of Israel. At the top of that list would be the Islamic Republic of Iran. Iran is a major force for destabilization throughout that entire region of the world, and frankly, its terrorist involvements go far beyond the Middle East. One of the rallying points for Islamic identity, particularly when that identity is being forged or at least influenced by a nation like Iran, one of the arguments has been that it is an Islamic cause to bring about the end of Israel. And that's not a new thing. That has been an Arab and increasingly an Islamist goal for decades, going all the way back to 1948. And the conflict, of course, goes back much further in history than that. But Iran's role in this is almost certainly a coordinating role, potentially a funding role, And it's also likely that Hamas would not have launched this kind of effort without some kind of explicit authorization from Iran. Certainly couldn't do it without financial support from Iran. And this leads to another issue that we discussed on the briefing just a matter of a few weeks ago, and that was the decision by the Biden administration to exchange hostages in Iran, American hostages, to exchange those hostages for the unfreezing, that's the financial term, of about $6 billion in Iranian funds. Of course, you're looking at the fact that the United States and other allies have worked very clearly to try to freeze Iranian assets all over the world to put a limitation upon its terrorist reach. And as we said at the time, this is an extremely bad precedent. And as we also said at the time, when you have the Biden administration trying to put a fig leaf of respectability on that deal by saying that the funds unfrozen would be used for humanitarian interests and that they would be overseen by another nation in the region that would be cutter, well, that has simply been put to the lie. First of all, even as the White House was making that statement, you had officials in Iran crowing about the fact that they would use the money as they saw fit. And as you're looking at this, you can draw a one-to-one connection between the unfreezing of that money and the ambitions of Iran and the attack launched on Israel Saturday morning by Hamas. There's another connection that needs to be underlined, and that is that when you are looking at the funding of a terrorist organization like Hamas, you're actually talking about a major source of that funding being Qatar, the very Gulf nation that the Biden administration said it was trusting as the intermediary to make certain that Iran was not going to use these funds for nefarious purposes. Now, that was never plausible. Let's be clear. That was never plausible because money is money. It's all, to use the technical term, fungible. In the old days, fungible came down to, say, currency or gold. And you might say, well, you can only use that for one purpose. But the fact is, if you restrict that dollar, you actually free up another dollar, that I could use for the very purpose you say, I can't. And that just underlines the fact that when you're talking about billions of dollars, and when you're talking about electronic funds transfer, you're not even talking about a real dollar bill. You're not even talking about a real bar of gold. This was an implausible argument. And as we said at the time, the United States would come to rue that decision by the Biden administration. Let me point out one other moral problem with that deal, by the way, is that you basically, in agreeing to pay for hostages, you create a market for hostages, a very bad precedent for any nation, and in particular, the United States. Israel may be paying at least to some extent the price for the freeing of those funds, and at the very least, Those funds are now being used for Iran for its purposes, and we can see in the Hamas attack upon Israel one dimension of those purposes, horrifyingly so. The Wall Street Journal, by the way, has just run a story saying that Iran had been plotting the attack on Israel over the course of several weeks, and that just makes the matter even dirtier because that takes us back to when that exchange was being made And it appears, at least according to the Wall Street Journal and its sources, that the attack was already being planned and coordinated at that time. As we said at the time, this was a surprise attack. And one indication of that is that even as you had the Hamas soldiers overrunning the region of Israel into which they had made their incursion, the Prime Minister of Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu, did not speak to the issue for three hours that's one indication of the depth of surprise that Hamas was able to achieve. Eli Morone, speaking to the Telegraph in London, said on Sunday that the intelligence services had made serious mistakes, and he went on to say, quote, All of Israel is asking itself, where is the IDF? That is the Israel Defense Force. Where is the police? Where is the security? It's a colossal failure. The hierarchies have simply failed with vast consequences. As we think about these issues, one point that certainly is clarified is the fact that an adequate intelligence gathering operation and the analysis of the intelligence that's gathered is a part of a nation's defense, and that is particularly true for the nation of Israel. And as you're looking at this, it's one thing to say that the intelligence agencies failed. It's another thing to understand that you are looking at a concerted effort undertaken for a matter of weeks, months, perhaps even years. And it is simply a matter of fact that the attacker always has the advantage over the attacked in terms of when and how the initiative or the aggressive action will take place. Prime Minister Netanyahu yesterday simply announced that Israel is at war and Israeli authorities went on and officially declared that there was now an action, a state of war, towards the Hamas invaders and the attackers. And Prime Minister Netanyahu, speaking in the heritage of previous Israeli prime ministers in a time of war, made very clear that Israel would respond with overwhelming force and that Israel would protect its right to exist. The big issue here is how many of the citizens of Israel, now taken hostage by Hamas, can be saved or will be saved. And of course, you are looking at the fact that Hamas is clearly planning further incursions into Israel, at least on paper. And of course, by historic reputation, just about everyone would expect that the Israeli defense forces will be able to prevail and probably rather quickly. But that leads to a host of other questions. What exactly does prevail mean in this circumstance? And will Hezbollah enter into the picture in a more concerted way? Will some other nations in an opportunistic fashion see the opportunity to try to make gains at Israel's expense? Those are huge questions. And it's also just a matter of fact that the people of Israel have been subjected to all kinds of attacks, rocket barrages, and of course, kidnappings, incursions. They've been subjected to this going all the way back to 1948. But this is coming at a time when the scale of the attack, again, it is unprecedented in the last 50 years of Israel's existence.
2: Again, that is Reverend Albert Moeller from The Briefing. There's more for you to listen to about this if you go there to his website, albertmoeller.com. And that's all of our time for today. Continue to pray for Israel. Thank you for being with me today on Afternoons with Mike.